Having minority-based conversations in the military can be difficult. They can make you seem out of sync with those who you're supposed to connect with. Insert cadence combos. On the 1st and the 15th of every month, I will bring you a different minority military experience. These experiences are told from an individual perspective designed to help you connect through conversation. So let's get in line, let's educate, let's relate, and get in sync. Come join the conversation. Legal disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed or implied on any of these episodes are solely those of the individual and they do not represent the military in any shape or form. Thanks. Lieutenant Colonel Duke, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Thank you so much for allowing me to interview you today. I hope you're hope you're doing well. I am. Good, good, good to hear. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Um, would you start off uh, with letting us know your your particular minority affiliation in your own words? I am an African American Black female. <laughs> and then could you give us a little bit about your background, like where you're from, how you grew up, uh, the type of community you grew up in? So I grew up uh, in the projects. I'm from Houston, Texas, oh, wow. and I grew up in Fourth Ward. So it wasn't uh, far from Third Ward and Fifth Ward, which everybody is familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was in the sixth grade, we moved uh, to a house and I finished the rest of my, I went sixth grade through 12th grade um, living in a house. But the majority of the upbringing that I remember was in the projects and it was a good living. Oh, wow. So I, that that's surprising you say that, too, because typically people say I grew up in the projects. You rarely hear someone say it was a good living after that. Well, the the, the reason why I say that is because. My mom did the best that she could. I was a latchkey kid. So I, you know, went to school, came home, mm-hmm. locked the door. But I didn't know that we were poor. I had a good life. I had clothes on my back. We always had food. My, my mother wasn't on food stamps or anything like that. So we had a good living. Um, and I was always taken care of. It's not until people tell you, and we'll get more into that uh, with the other questions but it's not until somebody tell you that you're not something that you realize but if nobody wouldn't have never told me would have never told me I would have been like oh yeah but I still hang on to I'm not gonna downplay my history my upbringing to satisfy somebody else I can't yes 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 oh I'm excited yeah I'm not gonna downplay where I was raised to say Oh, well, I was raising the projects. I was raising the projects. I'm not going to make excuses for that, but I had a good life. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay. So growing up projects, um, and I think it's significant too, that you remember the moment you moved into a house, um, because I think so many people take that even for granted that they grew up in a house. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when, yeah. You, when you, I, it, it's, it's, um, 
very significant to me because we I went from living in a brick apartment, all brick, you know, four walls of brick into a house. And I remember being so excited that I now get to live in a house. So, yeah. and so I know I went to uh, elementary school in the projects. And then when I got in the, uh, in middle school, that's when we moved into the house. Wow. Raised wow. in Fort, Fort, so then, uh, South Park. That was the other part. That's where we had the house in South Park. So still in a similar environment then, it, even though you had a house? No, it was, it was, I can't say it was better because all of it, I just had a different experience, but it was, it was a step up from where, where I lived. It was. Okay. Because now when wow. I was in the projects, I didn't have a yard. So now we had a yard. I, we were able to have animals because we had a backyard. So I, I got yeah. to live a different, a different life. It was good. Right. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. So then did you also, um, growing up, so did you do high school in that same area? Yes. I went to middle school and high school in the same area. Okay. So then, um, so after high school, you went to college and then can you tell me what, what kind of drew you to the military? Like what brought you to even consider the military? Um, and could you also talk about what branch you're affiliated with, um, active or reserve and that kind of thing? Well, actually I didn't go to college right out of school. So my from the uh. old school, her rules were you graduate from high school and you don't have any children. You don't get pregnant. Those are the two things that I'm, that I'm asking you to do to stay in my home. And I did those things because she didn't go to college. It wasn't really a requirement for her. So when I got in the 12th grade, my mom made me start working. So I, I met all my graduation requirements when I was in the 12th grade, but I also worked half a day. So that was kind of different for me. So I didn't mm -hmm. miss out on a lot. Um, after a couple of years after high school, let's say I graduated in 85. So three years later in 88, I got married and I got married to an army guy. So I finally left Houston and he, uh, I traveled around with him. I'm going to back up. My brother was in the army and this is going to be significant. My brother was in the army. He spent four years. He came home. My ex-husband was in the army and I traveled around with him for 11 years as a dependent. So wow. I got a taste of the military life. And that was my first time being affiliated because my brother, his first duty station was overseas. So I didn't get to see him for four years. And then he came back home and he just did his four years and came back to mommy. So left with mm -hmm. my ex-husband. <clears throat> I got to see the life and I missed it when we got divorced. Uh, we got divorced right at 11 years. So I always wanted to be in the military and I wanted to be in the army because that's all I knew, but uh, plans. I'm in the air force. So God had different plans. So uh -huh. while I was married, I went to nursing school and graduated. And so I came in the air force as a full fledged nurse. And so I came as an officer, but mm -hmm. I came in the, at the age of 34. So I was not young wow. lieutenant that everybody else was. And that's different too, because um, kind of like some of the airmen, they come in and they have had some life mm -hmm. before and they come in. And so, and so was that pretty, I mean, how was that coming in and 
because the tenants are sometimes what were 23, 24 years old, but you're coming in like 10 years older than that and having so much more experience. But how was your experience, uh, initial experiences in the military based off of your experience outside and then coming in as a lieutenant at an older so age? So I was remarried again. So I, so I went from being a dependent to being the primary person. So it was kind of like I traded wrong because now I was married again for the second time. And so I call myself preparing him because I've walked the life and lived the life that he's getting ready to live because he had never been affiliated with military as well. So my first duty station is where I am now. I come full circle back at Keesler Air Force Base. So that was... Um, that was a transition, but it, it wasn't as big a transition for me because I had m lived the military life. I just had to learn the Air Force way. And uh, which I imagine is, uh, is different is, it, from Army lifestyle. To <laughs> but a lot of people thought I was prior service simply because I, I would say that my first husband um, that I was married to for 11 years taught me well. And so everybody always to this day thinks that I'm prior service and I'm not, uh -huh. I joined the air force. Um, I went to try to join the army. I'm not a good test taker, never have been. So I didn't pass nursing boards the first time. And because of that, our army recruiter who was prejudiced told me that I could not join the army for six months. I had to work for six months as a nurse, kind of like having to prove myself. So I remember I was down. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to church and there was two, it was a married couple and there were two retired Air Force chiefs. And they asked me, had I ever thought about going into the Air Force? And I said, no. They said, why not? I said, there's no reason. Army is all I knew. And they said, put you in touch mm -hmm. with an Air Force recruiter. Would you go and talk to him? I said, absolutely. When I talked to the Air Force recruiter, mm -hmm. I kept telling him, look, sir, I'm letting you know I didn't pass boards the first time. He was like, ma'am, do you have a license? I was like, yeah, I passed the boards. I'm a nurse. I work as a He said, oh, that's all I need. Mm -hmm. Come on in. And that's how I ended up in the Air Force. And that was the best decision. That was the best. Wow. Because I've had the wow. career that I wanted to have. I wanted to be a flight nurse. Army doesn't have flight nurse. And so mm. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm where God wants, wanted me to be. Yeah. So then you mentioned that the the gentleman that was uh, making you test and prove yourself. What what about him made you believe or know that he was prejudiced toward because you? I went when I went to the station, he threw everything at me and I was so eager to come in because I wanted to do this myself. I've been wanting to do it for so long. And I always remember my ex-husband saying, don't, don't join the army. Don't join the army. Don't join the army. He would always tell me that. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I went to him, I was like a 20, 22 year old. I was so eager. And he was like, you have to do this and you have to do that. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I was just excited. And I mean, mm -hmm. everything that he told me that I had to do, I was like, okay. So I was, at the time that I went, I was smaller than I had been in a long time. He, he had the mm -hmm. station commander tape me. And she was like, I don't know why he has me doing this, but she did it anyway. You're a captain. He's a, a staff sergeant. 
You should have no, but he mm. had her take me. She said, you're the smallest person that I've ever had to take. I met the requirements and he still told me, you got to work for six months. We, um, we can't take you right now. And I said, okay, that Sunday, that was like a Thursday. That Sunday is when I met the married chiefs, retired chiefs. And saw the recruiter, mm -hmm. the Air Force recruiter. I had to do the same exact thing for him. I had his stuff within a week. After that, as a nurse, you have to go and talk to a chief nurse at a base. And San Antonio was the closest to Houston. I was back back in Houston. And we wrote, drove to San Antonio. So I remember my board, the nursing board, was meeting on the uh, 22nd of December of that year. And I would find out if I got accepted in um, as a nurse. He called me, the, the Army recruiter, he it was mm -hmm, a couple mm -hmm. of weeks after you just told me that I have to wait six months to ask me if I was still available, if I still wanted to come in. He was mistaken. No, you weren't. You weren't. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was clear. Wow. Because I sensed that before I left, but I could not prove it. And he proved it to me when he called me two weeks later. Because you just made a lie. Out. You told me mm -hmm. I got to work six months. Now you're calling me to come in two weeks later. What happened to the mm -hmm. and the Air Force recruited wow. say, ma'am, we have the same rule. Wow. There is no such rule. All you have to do is have a license. Wow. Well, that was good for but the Air course, Force for us <laughs> to get you, but what yeah, a the Air Force terrible experience. Was, uh, was an African American guy. So that, that was the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna it, say, do you think, think that made did. a difference then? He was just like I mean, because he had talked to the chiefs and they had told him, I mean, I think she'll be awesome because we were going through our church orientation together, myself and the chiefs. And, and so when mm -hmm. I talked to him, I was mm -hmm. like, I'm just letting you know up front. I didn't pass nursing boards the first time. I had to take it a couple of times. He was like, what does that have to do with anything? And so I told him my, my experience. He was like, ma'am, when can you come in today? <laughs> today. <laughs> And I went in Wow! And we started the paperwork and I was like, this is the same thing. He said, we have, you, we, you have to do the same thing to come in that you have to do for the army. So I don't, I don't, and I mean the exact wow. same requirements, but it was a total different wow. experience. Mm. So I always tell people I am where God intended me to be. Yes. <laughs> Which is side note where anybody exactly. should ever want to right. be is right there. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best place to be. Um, so you, you get into the Air Force and then uh, did you have expectations of how this experience would be for you based on your, your minority affiliation? I did you even think, think about, about that? that? Um, because I wasn't raised that way, but I quickly learned uh, when I came in that it was going to be different for me. And I'll explain. I remember yeah. I'm seeing other people that don't look like me get opportunities that I was getting passed up on. I'm older. I'm more mature. They're younger. We're the same rank. Some of them I outrank, but probably no more than a year or so. So I started putting myself out there and getting more stuff, and I did. But I remember talking to uh, an African-American doctor and he pulled me into um, a little side office and he saw my frustration. And I'll never forget him telling me, he said, 
we work in a different Air Force than what people think it is. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, as long as you remember this rule, this was told to me and it's helped me along the way. He was a captain. I was a second lieutenant. He said, as long as you remember this, this should help you um, in your career. He said, I have to work twice as hard as my white counterpart to get the same recognition. He said, Becky has to wow. work twice as hard as me to get the same recognition. You are going to always have to work harder than all of us to get the same recognition. Now, not to say that it's fair, but that's the fort, that's the Air Force that we're in. This was back in 2002. Mm. When he told me that he said, wow. so if you learn how to navigate through, um, through where we work, if you get, if you learn how to navigate through this system and not try to fight it so much, not fight against it, because you're going to get tired, you're going to wear your out, but find a way to navigate through it and you'll, you'll do good. And I did that very, very well as a Lieutenant, as a captain, Started changing as a major when I became an FG. Mm, I just so. started seeing things that I didn't like. Cause you're at a you're at a level now. Mm -hmm. uh, you're when you go from when I went from uh, a CGO to an FGO, people would always tell me um, things are going to change. There are expectations that are going to be uh, put upon you that you have no clue. Just sit back and watch. You're going to be treated different. <laughs> you, again, the speech, now that you're an FGO, these are the things, but it was, it was some, somewhat similar to his speech. And I, I felt like I was wow. full for the wow. time. So make sure that you do this. Make sure that you don't do this. Make sure you do this. Don't do this. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm a grown ass woman. Like, are you free right now? <laughs> And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that, that advice was at the start of your career later, as you first entered into full grade officer, would you say that that advice is some that you would give to someone in your shoes today, like a new um, young black female or not even young, but I Absolutely. guess a new black female officer. It's still relevant. It has. You think changed. it's still relevant. So, what are some of the experiences that you've had, as some of the other experiences that you've had, um, as a black female officer in the some in of the, the Air Force that I've had, um, getting judged before I even opened my mouth, um, being labeled the angry black woman. Because when I come to a meeting, I know I have to come knowing what I know, what I know. I have to know what I know and then know it again. But that comes off as <laughs> being aggressive. I will admit I'm assertive. And most of the black females are that wear this uniform, especially being an officer or a senior enlisted person. But if we don't come knowing what we know and then know it again, we're looking upon as not taken seriously but when you come knowing what you know mm. you're labeled as aggressive 
No, I'm not. Like if I ask a question, it's like if, if mm-hmm. I remember asking um, a white uh, guy that was standing there giving a brief and he asked the question. He said, does anybody have any questions? And I asked him a, a valid question and he didn't know the answer. So he came, he came to me afterwards and I said, well, just give me the answer. I ranked him and he, I said, just give me the answer afterwards and that's fine. So he came to me after the meeting and said, I tried to make him look bad in the meeting. I say, how so? And I, you asked the question, <laughs> does anybody have any questions? And I had a question. How did I make you look bad? Mm-hmm. Well, somebody else gave me a briefing at the last minute and I didn't, that's wow. not, that's not my problem. Don't put that on me. I remember being an instructor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the majority of my class was white. It was normally how many people in a 20. class? The largest class I had was nineteen. It was me and another. But the class that I'm thinking about, we had okay. eleven, and there was not one black in that class. At the end of okay. the class, they have to do a uh, in the class survey, a course survey. And the course survey asks mm-hmm. you, how did the course go? How were the amenities? How was the classroom? Um, how was the training environment? If I tell you that those surveys were so personal and they were all about me, my white counterpart did not get mentioned that one time. She came to class. She didn't speak to us. She always looked mad. She never talked to us. I'm thinking, what is that? They did not answer not one question I told the class in the beginning when you answer this survey we will be able to see the answers immediately because we have to address them before you leave so as they as they answer them we get the questions in my white counterparts say oh major duke you're 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 gonna be upset and I said upset at what he said they dogged you out when I tell you they did not mention his name not one time and he was incompetent he, I had to end up having him removed, mm. but I got, I felt like wow. I was villainized. And the only reason why I was villainized is because of the color of my skin. That's the only reason I've had two flying assignments. Uh, I flew in Japan from 2005 to 2008. Then I went and got stationed at Lackland. And then I went back to flying in Germany. So when I went back to flying in Germany, uh, I was an instructor when I flew in my first assignment. And then I became an instructor again when I went to the second flying assignment. There was a, a, a white counterpart, man, male. That was his first flying assignment. They kind of like fast-tracked him, so he became an instructor. He wasn't that good. We both put in, and he, it was too soon for him, but we both put in uh, a packet to become an evaluator. I get deployed. I'm waiting on if I got chosen or not. I get a call from the DO telling me that I was the best candidate with the most experience. And he wanted me to get picked, but he was calling me to tell me why I did not get picked. They told me that this captain wanted to put in a packet to become an instructor when he left Um and to become an instructor at the schoolhouse uh, where they teach a uh, flight nurse um, 
he would have to be an evaluator. So they chose him, someone first flying assignment, not that much experience, but they made him an evaluator so that he can get the majority of the time him being at this flying assignment, his very first flying assignment, my, my second one, they chose him over me to help him out in his career. Nobody thought about my career. He called me wow. while I'm deployed to tell yeah. me this. And then to say, I'm so sorry, but I mean, I really wanted you and you were the best candidate. Then why did I get chosen? And that's because they wanted the white mm -hmm. male in that position. It's no other reason. He wasn't qualified. He didn't have enough flying experience. It's in the regs to become a waiter. It's in the regulations. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Those are some hard. Do, do you feel like that the experiences that you've shared so far are unique to you? Or do you think there's other similar uh, situations like this that have happened they or are, not are currently me. happening? And there are way too many African-American females officers that I am friends with across this Air Force in different areas that are going through the same thing. It's not unique to me. It's not. It's going on way too much. Way too much. I have a uh, mentor that's a Fulbright Colonel, um, and she's reserves, and she's up in Washington, the D.C. area, and it's going on there. I have a girlfriend stationed at Shaw. It's going on there. I had one that was stationed at Eglin. It was going on there. Um, it's 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 <laughs> it's going on way too much, way too much. How do you? Why do you think it's it is allowed to happen so frequently and so often in 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 such a widespread type of way? I being up uh -huh. in the leadership where I am now, I've really seen uh, a lot of stuff that I just nobody could have prepared me for. They just couldn't. And I've seen so many things allowed by those who don't look like us. I've seen throughout my career, mm -hmm. um, black males, black females get harsher punishment for the same thing that the white counterpart does. I've seen black officers get held at a higher standard at the level that I am, Lieutenant Colonel FGO, higher FGO than the white counterparts, we would get crucified for some of the things that our white counterparts do and they get a pat on the back or just a slap on the wrist. A lot of their stuff gets swept mm -hmm. under the rug. Ours don't. Um, it's, it's, it's just going on way too much. And I just, I just cannot believe, no one can make me believe that the leadership does not see this. And I had a, an experience here where I went through my chain of command. I went through my leadership and I'm still going through processes now because I'm like, and nothing is being done. The thing that I'm going through now is from mm. somebody that looks like me and that's what hurts so much. But that is confused. Wow. By what they think by the position that they think they're in 
and have con and call themselves conforming to their white counterparts and they think that they can do the same things that they do and it it's just so heart-wrenching it's it's mm -hmm. it's 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 um it's bad yeah it's bad and yeah. That has made me being in wow. uh, wearing Lieutenant Colonel on my sleeve has shown me a different side, but especially when I came to FGO and I planned to stay in 24, 26 years. I planned to stay in and go for full bird Colonel. I planned and remember I'm saying I, I didn't say God planned because somewhere there when I was looking for that mm -hmm. full bird, I mm -hmm. lost the sight of what God had planned for me and bringing me circle back to where I am. God brought me back to mm. our original plan that I made with him. Because when I came in at 34, all I asked God was for 20 years. I said, Lord, I want to have something that I can retire in, that I can be good in, that I can uh, be proud of doing. Um, and just have something like a legacy to leave behind. And I asked 20 years. And when I came full circle back here, God reminded me, you only asked mm -hmm. me for 20 years. I don't know where you came up with that 24, 26. That was, that was that, we forget, <laughs> we lose sight. And we once, forget, we and forget. Once I, got, once I got bought back full circle to mm -hmm. where I asked him for, and I punched the button to retire. It's like the heavens opened up. I'm serious. It's like the heavens opened up and I, mm -hmm. every, the, 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 his plan was like, okay, this is where we started. This is where we're going to end. But I just replaced Air War College mm -hmm. because for something, for, I, I started Air War College um, before I pinned on, um, once I got a line number and I was just gung ho, mm -hmm. but it, it, it seemed like I just kept hitting a block, a block. When I did um, Air Staff and Command College, I was gung ho. I was doing it. I was staying up. I was getting it done. But for some reason, I hit a block with Air War College and because it wasn't meant to be. It just wasn't. But be since I finally got back, mm. came back to my senses, um, I've just replaced Air War College, which is with something that's for me. And I'm getting my doctoral degree. So again, God is showing me that there's other things that I oh, have wow. for you to do. And Colonel, Fulbright Colonel wasn't it. And um, again, when I came to that realization, mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I did lose sight. I lost sight of him. And when I lost sight of him, everything just went awry. Like I said, when I made that decision to retire, the heavens opened up. And congratulations. <laughs> that is an honorable career. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so as you talked about these different um, experiences based on your race and gender, um, they don't sound like something anybody would volunteer to do. So why, why stay in an organization that causes you to go through those types of experiences and because I came in at 34 I came in knowing my goal was to retire and I could not let outside people deter me from that I knew from the beginning 
that my road wasn't going to be easy, mm-hmm. but I did up until I became FGO, I did learn how to navigate that, you know, that way, like the, like the uh, captain told me, I did learn how to navigate. But again, I kept my eye on, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. Staying in, I'm, I'm going to let you know, honestly, I do have some scars. I do have some scars, but because I had a goal mm-hmm. and I knew God was going to allow me to get there, he, I was able to endure. As I, be, as I got higher in rank, and I've had mm. um, some of my mentors that are full bird colonels, I asked them, why did they stay so long? And they told me so that uh, somebody that looks like me, they can see them in the position that I was trying to work myself toward. So that on, I stayed because I have a career Mm -hmm. that I can go find a job anywhere. I'm a nurse. And I've I've been an adjunct professor before, so I I can get a job anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I stayed and I fought so much again because I wanted the ones coming behind me to see somebody that looks like them. So I took, I took on what my mentors gave me. It's like wow. they passed the torch. And even when I tell uh, some of the nurses, mm-hmm. uh, junior nurses now, I'm retiring. They're like, ma'am, no, no. And I t- <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going far. You'll always be able to contact me. <laughs> I'm not going far. So, but it, it's, it's just my time. But I stayed for so long. One, because I had a goal. Um, I did not want those people to determine. You can't let somebody else determine your life. Or you can't control Mm -hmm. how people treat you, but you can't control how you react. So I've done well with how I react to their treatment. Mm -hmm. I was able to change a few minds along the way. Mm -hmm. People have a tendency as Black females to judge us. And the people that don't like me are the ones that don't know me. The ones that judge me when they first met me without, I mean, when I say judge me from the time I walked in the room and didn't open my mouth. The ones that did that are some of the best friends that I have now today. And they have told me I was wrong. I was just dead wrong. (laughs) So by me being me, they found out that they were wrong. But again, the way that somebody else feels about you, you can't do anything about that. Again, we have to, we have to be mindful of how we respond to things because that's the part that we're responsible for. And that's what I had to, I, that's what I had to grow into. What helped me was I was older coming in. So that, that helped me. I don't, I don't think that if I would have came in at 22, 23, 24, that I would have the same the same tenacity to do what I did. But again, I had a goal and I wasn't going to, I really was not let somebody deter me and make me get out before I was ready to get Mm -hmm. out. So, um, (laughs) yeah. And I just think that Mm. uh, even in the situation that I just uh, currently are experiencing the one thing, and, and this is what I've always wanted to show to the young officers, especially the black female officers. Always do what you do and do right by somebody. As long as you do right, you will prevail. 
Always do things with dignity. You do not lower yourself to anybody. You can't. You can't because you have to continue in what you're doing. And I let them know you're early on in your career. And I want them to take that. I, but, but I had to show them that. And so many don't realize that the young officers watch what we do more mm -hmm. than listen to what we do. They watch what we do. So I've had them tell me the way that you carry yourself, the way that you handle this situation has taught me more than anything that you could have ever said to me. And I had, I, I had to be mindful of, mm -hmm. okay, you're not Clementine in this situation. You're Lieutenant Colonel Duke. All a lot of us need mm -hmm. is the opportunity. If we're given the same opportunity, the same treatment, the same fair treatment, um, I think it will help. But as an officer, there are certain things that if Johnny needs it to get promoted or if it's going to look good in Johnny's record, what makes you think it's not going to look good in my, in my record? So I, I just think that people, mm -hmm. leaders that don't look like us need to be mindful of the decisions that they make and why they need to look at their own biases and say, am I being fair? They color off the table. When I choose this person for, am yeah. I choosing the best one? Is there, um, I think I need to start closing. I'll, I'll continue with you. This will be a two hour <laughs> conversation, but, um, but I do appreciate your stories. I appreciate you sharing your experiences. I just wanted to offer if there was anything else um, that you wanted to share before, want, um, before we start wrapping it up. Especially black females. We did a talk today and it was a mixture, uh, two captains put it on and it was to allow the, the young black females to have a safe space to be able to talk and ask questions in. And it was all black females. And I just wish that we can have a safe space for them. And one young lady said uh, in there, she feels like she's in her twenties, that she's gotta be a certain way. Um, and she's gotta act a certain way. And she just, it just makes her exhausted. And I had to explain to her, and I, and I remember talking to some uh, PhD women, uh, females, black females uh, that all just graduated. And they talked about shape shifting, being one way in one circle and being another way, being yourself in another circle. So you got, every time you're in a group, you got to shape shift. So I basically told her today that um, mm -hmm. the way that those people see you you're not going to be able to change that because all the people that come into the air force or that come into the military, they come from different parts and walks of life. So until they learn something different and until they're open to see something different, learn something different, do something different, they're going to always see you the way that they see you, but how you respond is the way another young lady, uh, another young lady, um, talked about her, she don't think right. her supervisor 
um, gets her. And she says she, she was raised with uh, getting accolades in her church. Uh, she was raised, her, her, her father was a pastor. And whenever she did something good, somebody in the church said, oh, that was good. You sung that well. You did this well. She said, I, I, I no longer have that. And so I uh, shared with her that we had a chaplain uh, here at, at Keesler that he did a talk. And he uh, talked about, um, you know, how the, the, the five love languages, there are five work languages as well. And unless you share yes. with mm -hmm. your, and I told her, I say, share with your supervisor, your work language. If you're the type of person that likes accolades, if you're the type of person that likes attaboys, or if you're that type of person, let they probably don't even know. But what this all circles back around to is communication. We've lost that. And them having all these talks and we want to have a talk about race. Nobody's having the right talks. And I just wish that we would really have the meaningful talk so we can make a change. Because I can see from when the black white things start happening and we started having these talks. Don't you know these people went right back to what, the way they were before all this happened? And it hasn't even been a year. So unless mm -hmm. we have those meaningful mm -hmm. talks unless we have the the change coming from top down when you have change coming at everybody wants to handle things at this level and let's do it at our level nothing's going to change but as long as we have the leadership at the top looking like the leadership at the top nothing's going to change mm -hmm. <sighs> senate colonel duke thank you <laughs> Thank you for your time. Before before we end, is there a way that if someone wants to reach out to you, find you, ask you any questions, um, is there a platform that you're on? Contact me on Twitter. And my Twitter mm -hmm. name is my name spelled backwards. Nice. <laughs> Wow. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Duke, thank you. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the genuine, honest, candid uh, discussion that I think is going to be helpful to people um, for education and for them to relate, um, which is the whole point of having these. Yes, hey, that does it for today's episode. I want to say thank you so much for staying to the end, for listening to the conversation. You can follow me on Cadence at Cadence Combo on Twitter, and you can send me an email at shebegreat at gmail.com, and I try my best to respond. And of course, I'm on the global Tamika page.